Well, good morning and happy new year to you. Let me uh, see a show of hands of those who actually stayed up till the stroke of midnight to bring in the new year. All right, pretty good group. How many of you just said, I'm going to bed? <laughs> it looks like about half and half. Well, I went to bed, you know, after the football game. It was over about 11 o'clock and just kind of in that real... Uh, state of doziness, you know, starting to fall off to sleep. And, and I also uh, rang in the new year because somebody, and I think I'll do some investigation this afternoon, but one of the grand girls set this old alarm clock that we never use for exactly midnight to make sure I was awake for the new year. And then I get to hear some fireworks and things. So what about Anybody want to uh, admit that they got here early for the first service at 9 o'clock today? A few people. Okay. Well, I don't know what to say, but I'm glad you're here. <laughs> today, um, we're starting off a new year, and I want to address this subject. It's not how you start, but it's how you finish. How you finish. Have your Bibles uh, open up to Philippians chapter 1. And these are the words of the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul was writing this from prison, okay? And he's kind of like given almost a farewell, kind of some final thoughts. Because he was torn between staying here on this earth or, or going to be with the Lord. Begin reading with verse 21 with me. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, he said, this is kind of the uh, a last instruction, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of, of Christ, then whether I come and I see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. You know, I've really enjoyed watching uh, the bowl games that have been on. Some of them have really, really been some really good bowl games. And some have been competitive, some have been kind of blowouts. But one thing is true of just about any sports competition. It really doesn't matter how you start out the game, but it's how you finish the game. Now, I referee basketball, college basketball, and, and, and if you watch NBA basketball, you don't need to watch the rest of the game till the final two minutes, okay? Because that game's going to stay close. And that's where all the action is going to be determined in the final two minutes. So just watch something else, and in the final two minutes, you can, you can tune in. It's very often, though, we see somebody get off to a great start, but then 
As the game progresses, they struggle to finish. Getting off to a great start in life is very important. But even more important than how you start off in life is how you finish in life. So today is the first Sunday of this new year, 2023. And so congratulations, you have perfect attendance so far in church this year, okay? Give yourselves a hand for that. Okay, but just because you started off well in 2023 doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to finish well. How you finish is how you're going to be remembered. Football world lost a, uh, a very entertaining, colorful coach just two weeks ago, Mike Leach. And many of the, the teams that have played in the bowls have worn some type of a, a decal or, or emblem or something to remember Mike Leach because he was a pioneer. He brought us the air raid offense. He changed the game of football. A week before Christmas, they had his memorial service and coach and player after player spoke at his memorial service about his legacy, about not just how he impacted them on the field, but what kind of a man that Mike Leach was and how he changed their life. Well, compare that to back a few years ago when Joe Paterno, who coached at Penn State University, he passed away, and, and Joe had many great teams. In fact, he had won a, actually had a far better winning percentage than Mike Leach had, won a national championship. But what Joe Paterno will always be remembered for was a scandal because one of his assistants was abusing some young men in the locker room, and apparently Joe just kind of turned a blind eye to this and did nothing about it. And so his, his legacy is now tarnished forever. Well, what about Kale Gundy, who coached uh, up until right before the start of the OU season? He had recruited many great players. He had, was a great player himself, coached and influenced many people, but because of one wrong mistake inside a little uh, training session with some of his receivers, his legacy is now tarnished. Some wonder if he'll ever get to coach again, ever. See, all of us have a legacy, and I want to remind you that people are going to remember how we finish, what we did at the end. So starting off good doesn't mean that we're going to end up good. I want to make a, a couple observations today from the Bible by looking at a man by the name of Demas. How many of you have heard of Demas? Very few of you, okay? That is because he's only mentioned three times in the entire Bible. Okay, we're going to see the first one here. And, and the first observation I want us to see is a good start does not promise a perfect ending. Open up your Bible to Philemon. Philemon is a little one-page uh, book of the Bible. It's, it's found in between uh, Titus and, and Hebrews. So you might have to kind of look for it because it's real quick to, or easy to, to just skim by it. Philemon chapter 1, it's the, it's the only chapter, verse 23 says, 
Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, send you greetings. As so do Mark, Aristocrus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Okay? So in this passage, we see Demas is mentioned. This is one of the three times that Demas is mentioned in the Bible. And Demas was mentioned as a, a, a dear fellow worker, somebody that was engaged in the souls of man in fighting the good fight with the Apostle Paul. Demas was associated here with some of the, the greatest men of faith in existence at that time. We see Mark. Okay, what do we know about Mark? Mark wrote the book of Mark. He was one of the disciples. He walked, talked, lived, spent time with Jesus. We see Luke. Luke was also one of the apostles. Luke wrote the gospel of Luke and also the book of Acts. He was a, a physician. He was a personal friend of Paul. Many believe that he was actually the personal physician for Paul. Then Aristocrus, he was a very influential leader in the New Testament church. You see, Demas ran with the very best people out there. His circle of influence was great. You know, it's a really a, a great advantage in life to be associated with great people on this earth. And I think some of the most successful people in this world surround themselves with great men and women. And so, honestly, I believe if you want to have a great legacy that you leave behind, you surround yourself with great people. And Demas did that. He was around the very best, some of the, the, the most powerful workers in the New Testament. And you see, verse 24 tells us he was blessed with a great opportunity, but we're going to see that Demas didn't necessarily take advantage of it. And Jesus talked about the type of person that Demas became in, in Luke chapter 8, verse 13. And it's ironic that the very passage that we're reading here from Luke, Demas was also a great associate of Luke. And Luke says, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy. When they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Now, isn't that a little ironic that one of the influencers of Demas was actually writing and describing what Demas would become? Demas started out well serving Jesus with passion and influence, but we're going to see in a moment, he didn't finish well. So what's important in life is not necessarily how you start, but how you finish. How many of you uh, can remember what happened in the Olympics 86 years ago? 1936. Anybody? Okay, I'm going to refresh you. And actually, I've got a, a little clip, but let me kind of give you a little background. 1936 Olympics were held in Germany at one of the, pretty much the height of the Nazi campaign. And many people wondered whether we should even be involved with that or not. But it was at that Olympics that Adolf Hitler the emperor of 
Germany decided that he was going to showcase to the world the supremacy of the German athlete. The Germans women's 4 by 100 team had breezed through all the preliminaries. In fact, they had set a world record. They were expected to win. They were in front of Adolf Hitler himself. Can we cue up this little uh, video? Now, it's in German, and so, but I think you'll understand what, what's going on. Now we're going to see the Germans cruise to an easy victory. So far in first place. Except they dropped the baton. And the Americans went on to win that race. What do you think was going through that man's mind right there? It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Colossians chapter 4, verse 14. We're going to see the next step in Demas' life. I want you to look at what happens to Demas. In Colossians 4, 14, Paul says, Our dear friend Luke, his physician friend, dear friend, dear brother, and Demas, send greetings. Okay? Now he's just mentioned. See, when we first met Demas a few moments ago, he was a fellow worker right alongside of Paul, and he was committed for his, his service to the Lord. And now... Paul just mentions his name. He's just kind of along. Reminds me, if you ever seen that movie, A League of Their Own, and Dottie Henson, she was the star of the show, and when her sister said, you know, when they ever, mom and dad introduced us, here's my daughter, Dottie, and here's our other daughter, you know, just mentions. That's kind of what the deal was with Demas. He was a fellow worker, and now he's just, oh, and there's Demas. Seem Demas was still reporting for duty, but his heart just wasn't in, in the service like it used to be. How many times have we seen that in church? People that are still attending, but they're just going through the motions. Their heart's really not in it. Maybe they were a Sunday school teacher and they just go through the motions, kind of prepare a a lesson or a class, but their heart's really not in it. They're just there. Or church leaders, they start off good, and man, they are faithfully serving the Lord, and then they just kind of finally show up just for duty because it was expected of them. 
We see that in church members. They start off faithfully attending and faithfully serving the Lord, and then they begin to fizzle up, and they just kind of just show up out of obligation or habit. How did a person like Demas go from being a fellow laborer, a dear brother, to just being somebody who shows up? I believe that it was kind of a slow process in in the life of Demas. I don't think he just woke up one day and said, you know, I think I'm just going to begin to slip away and I'm just going to kind of become disinterested and disengaged. So I'm just going to kind of walk away from the faith and I'm just going to backslide. No, I think it was a gradual process, slowly given into Satan until finally he had full control of his life. Galatians chapter 5 verse 9 says, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. A little bit of yeast works in in the whole batch. We've seen that happen with many things. A little bit of something bad will infect or contaminate the whole sum of the, the rest of it. Sin starts out small, but then it grows. It's kind of like a a tumor that we ignore that eventually it's going to become really big and it's a big problem because we ignored it. You probably heard that, you know, if you play with fire long enough, you're going to get what? Burned, okay? You uh, tease a dog long enough, what's going to happen? Going to get bitten. If you handle snakes enough, what's going to happen? going to get bitten. You do dangerous things long enough, what's going to happen? Going to get hurt, okay? One of my favorite shows for a long time was The Crocodile Hunter. Do you remember Steve Irwin? Now, he put himself in a dangerous situation time after time after time, and he always came out of it okay, except the last time when a stingray barb entered and pierced his heart and took his life, doing something dangerous that he had done many, many times. And maybe he became complacent. Maybe he just gave up. I don't know. Just quit being careful. But it eventually cost him his life. So just because you start off great doesn't promise a great ending. Second observation I want us to to look at today is your direction will always determine your destination. Let's see what else happens to Demas in 2 Timothy chapter 4. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Another version says, Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this world. You see the progression in Demas' life? First, he was a fellow co-worker, a dear brother in the Lord, and now he's just mentioned. He's just kind of going through the motions, and now Demas is a deserter. The only three times that he's mentioned in the Bible, and what are people going to remember about Demas? That he quit. He was a deserter. See, Demas had been playing with sin long enough, and it eventually led to his destruction. And it really shouldn't surprise us that he abandoned his calling of ministry. You know, if you're in ministry long enough, you're going to see folks that desert you or the church, and it saddens you. It hurts you. rips your heart out. It really does. 
And unfortunately, in the church, it happens way too often. People that used to be completely on fire sold out for the Lord and serving the Lord, and they worked for the Lord with enthusiasm and excitement, and then they just kind of begin to go through the motions like Demas and just begin to show up. And they start falling away and almost a, always a pattern. They want just, I want to take some time off. Okay. And they'll start, you know, excusing themselves from service. And so you ask them, you, you know, what's wrong? Oh, there's nothing wrong, but there always is. I just need some time off. And then they start missing church services. And then one day you look up and they're just gone. Deserted. The same word that is used here for deserted that Paul used is the same word that Jesus used on the cross when he said forsaken. The same word that Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus felt forsaken. He felt abandoned. He felt deserted. The same word that was used to describe what happened to Demas, that he abandoned, he forsaken He deserted. So what happened to Demas? He fell in love with the world, as the Apostle Paul said. He fell in love with the things of this world or the things of this world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. Then verse 17, the world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Well, while I was studying this passage, and actually the, the 1984 NIV said differently, where it says the love of the Father is not in them, it was translated, the love for the Father is not in them. And, and I wrestled with that all week. Now, could you still have the love for the Father, but not have the love of the Father in you? And I wrestled with that, and I thought, you know, this is almost a, 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 a word thing that I'm trying to figure out. And then I kind of found out that it really doesn't matter if you don't have the love of the Father in you, you're not going to have love for the Father, will you? Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So what it really comes down to is what happened. Demas began to love the things of this world, and the love for the Father, the love of the Father, was not a part of his life anymore. And I've seen that happen so many times, and it's heartbreaking and tragic when that happens. So Demas started out well, but he didn't finish well. So the last thing we're going to remember about Demas was that he was a deserter. He abandoned his co-workers. How would you like to be in a foxhole fighting the enemy with a guy that says, you know, I'm, I, I think I'm just going to leave. Good luck to you guys, I'm, and I'm out of here. Scripture tells us that he went to uh, Thessalonica. 
Well, we don't know because Scripture doesn't tell us if he went to maybe to another church thinking, maybe they won't expect as much of me in Thessalonica as Paul does because Paul expects a lot, you know, more than I'm willing to give right now. So I'm just going to go to a different town, different place. We don't know. But we know he was a deserter. What happened to him? Was it the pleasures of this world? Was it pride? Was he just not willing to pay the price for a commitment? Did he not count the cost? We don't really know. Except Paul said that he fell in love with the things of this world. And he went to Thessalonica. I would like to think that Maybe he went to Thessalonica and decided, I can serve the Lord here. I don't know. We're not ever told that. But the same thing that happened as Demas happens ever so often. We have people even go to another church and, you know, maybe they won't ask as much of a commitment as, as Oakwood does. Maybe I can just slip in and out and I won't have to serve. I won't have to get involved. I can, I can just go unnoticed. I can just in and out. Scripture serves as a great warning against falling away and becoming like Demas. Falling in love with the things of this world. Let me ask you a question. Are you falling in love with the things of this old world more than you are with Jesus? Let's learn from the mistakes that Demas made and not make the same mistakes that he made. So today, a brand new year, you have a whole blank slate in front of you. The first day of 2023, and you started out pretty good. You're in church. Congratulations, because maybe some of you stayed up real late last night, and you think, oh, boy, it's going to be hard to get up to go to church in the morning. You're here. You started out well. I hope you will finish well. You know, I think that our world changed a lot through COVID. Church changed through COVID. You probably have noticed that there are some people that you used to see in church before COVID that they're not here anymore. We're past the lockdowns. We're past, you know, the, the government telling us, oh, only five or 10 people can be in a building or a room at a time. We're past all that, but guess what? They're not. The sad statistic is that the church leaders and the, and the church uh, people that, that do a lot of uh, research are telling us that more than likely those folks that left during the pandemic and are not back yet, they just probably won't be back. They became like Demas. Oh, they had good intentions. I wanted to stay home because my family, I need to protect my family from sickness or whatever. But those same people, we saw them out in the public, in the community, shopping, ball games, doing different things. But, you know, I need to protect my family and stay home from church. We know COVID was a real thing. And it's still, still going to be a real thing probably from now on. But it shouldn't be the excuse to become like Demas. I want to give you a couple quick suggestions how we can 
finish well. One is obedience to God will produce faithfulness and lead to finishing well. Jesus said, remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And he goes on to say, thus by their fruits you will recognize them. I want to tell you something. Fruit is always a result of obedience. You can tell a good tree, a good fruit tree, if it produces what? Fruit. If you have a fruit tree and it doesn't produce any fruit, it's just a tree. You can always tell the life of a follower of Christ because they're going to produce fruit. Fruit comes through obedience. John chapter 15 says, But I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. God wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to be productive. He doesn't want us to become like Demas. So I want to ask you a question. How are you going to finish? What's going to be your legacy? Because you are going to leave a legacy. Now, most of us never think of how much time we have left on this earth or think about dying. But I want to tell you something. This week, I uh, got some test results back from a, from a test that I took. And I found out how much time I have left. My time's limited. Now, I don't know the accuracy of the test I took because it was an online life expectancy test. And where they ask my age, my height, weight, do I smoke, do I drink, do I wear a seatbelt, do I like dogs or cats, do I like Whoppers or Big Macs and all these things, you know, do you have diabetes or high blood pressure or anything? And I want you to mark your calendars for this. They predicted that my life would cease on January the 12th 2050 at the age of 89. Now, I don't, like I said, I don't know the accuracy of that test, but I do know that my time is limited and I will leave a legacy. James chapter 4 reminds us that life is like a mist or vapor. One moment it's there and the next moment it's gone. You know, I've done a lot of funerals in my ministry, and I've done a lot of funerals for people that their legacy was their car collection or their golf game or some hobby that they were interested in or, or maybe a social uh, issue that they, justice issue that they were just passionate about. But they failed to finish well, and what was really important in their life they forgot about. What are people going to remember you for? What is going to be your legacy? In his book, Go the Distance, Ed Rothwell uh, tells a story about Robbie Gordon, who finished the 83rd running of the Indianapolis 500. He took a gamble when he was leading that he did not need to pit stop with the rest of these guys when there was a, a crash and a yellow flag came out. There's only 37 laps to go, and he took a gamble that he could finish. Now, his gauge was saying empty, but he said, I think I can do it. On the final lap, he had to pull in and get a quick splash of gas 
to be able to finish the race, and he went from first to fourth. And he found out a very important lesson that day. You have to finish the race. Good intentions weren't enough. You can't postpone all the things that you think I need to do at some point in time. And I want to tell you, the stakes of your life and your salvation are so much higher than placing first in the Indianapolis 500. Eternity is at stake, friends. I don't want you to become a Demas, somebody that once walked, talked, fellowshiped, surrounded themselves with great people, and then they just begin showing up and eventually they abandoned them, deserted. We're going to have a time of communion here. The same word that was used to describe Demas, Jesus said on the cross, God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? He felt all alone. Many of his followers had left. Many had denied. Many had ran away in fear. And he fell alone, abandoned. But do you know what he did? He finished. He finished what he was sent to do. And do you remember the final words that he uttered while he was on the cross? It is finished. What he said was, I've done what I set out to do and I've been obedient 